0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Today on the podcast, more Il pow talk, this time from a DNR perspective. Now that it's been deemed a game fish, what comes next? Nathan Olson out of the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Office has the details coming up. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Comidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we are talking with Nathan Olson. He is the uh, Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Manager, and we're talking eel with him. And And Nathan, how did you get on eel paw duty?
1: Um, Well, we have uh, uh One of our main lakes in our area, uh, Bad Medicine Lake, is kind of a go-to spot uh, for people to do some eel-pout fishing. So um, I guess I kind of drew this short straw. There's many (laughs) other places that that people can can fish for eel-pout too, but uh, in the last couple of years, it's kind of been one of the go-to spots, I think, that people have been hitting up for for some decent uh, eel-pout fishing.
0: And Bad Medicine, remind me, is um, is that a little bit north uh, and west of Park Rapids or... Am I am I close uh, yeah. anyway?
1: Yep, yep. It's just uh, basically if you found Itasca State Park, kind of the southern boundary of Itasca State Park, and went west a little bit off of 113, you'd run right into it.
0: Okay. Well, um, we we um, wanted to talk about eel pop because there's getting to be more and more people that are really into it, including, of course, the infamous Jason and Jason, who I talked with last week. And, of course, it's now become a game fish in Minnesota, and I'm just kind of curious, let's start off, Nathan, with this question. Why was it deemed a game fish after all these years?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we have seen it grow in popularity. Um, I'm sure many people can remember the time when, if you ever caught one, it was, you know, it was common practice to just kind of throw it up on the ice. I mean, I, I grew up in South Dakota, and even on the Missouri River system there, that's what people would do, because uh, we'd run into them a lot, Within the Missouri River reservoir systems, there, especially when we be ice fishing or or something like that, or even early spring fishing. So, um, <clears throat> but the the sentiment's kind of changed. You know, there's been a lot of outreach done by people um, trying to show what what their value is and and their and how worthy they are as as a really good fish to eat. You know, and so um, and I think there's a there's a stigma too that people thought. It might not be a, a native fish, but it is a native fish uh, pretty much to all of northern Minnesota. And um, and that kind of changed people's attitudes, too, you know. Um, and then also enter in the sort of the snakehead, I guess the invasive snakehead, which really looks similar to a burbot. Um, and... And, and then people kind of got this, this weird idea of what they really are. But with through education, people are really starting to respect them more as a fish. And you can have some really great catch rates, especially here coming up in the next couple months as they start to go into their spawning phase. And so we've kind of seen people <clears throat> bring it up to us about we really need to put some sort of, uh, we need to show that these fish are worthy of having a limit. Because there is that idea that without having them as um, as a game fish and they're unlimited that that you could do anything with them, you know, and they're and they're kind of worthless fish, and that's not really the case. And so we wanted we wanted to come and and add add this, uh, some worthiness, I guess, uh, <laughs> to to their to their to their to eel pound and to bourbon and 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 what they are. And so that's kind of the the that was the whole message that we were trying to send.
0: So I know that it has now been designated a game fish as of at this moment, or does that kick in a little bit later? When when does that happen?
1: Well, I mean, actually, even this last, um, the last fishing rigs booklet, it was already designated as a game fish, um, so it's basically already in place. Um, but while we try to figure out um, what we're going to do with that, the, the season is 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 still open year round, and the the limit is is no limit at this point. You know, we're still working on that, Kevin, of trying to figure out exactly what what a season would look like if if there would be a season. I think more importantly, I think people are just interested in trying to put a, a daily limit on these things, um, just to make sure that people aren't aren't uh, you know wrecking the resource or or you know trying to do some damage because these fish are they are kind of uh, unique. Uh, we've seen you know it, we're kind of worried with global warming about what their populations are going to look like. They are fish that need some cooler water, and um, and if we add on a bunch of unneeded or unregulated harvest, or people that are just uh, not treating it with respect, uh, we could see some issues with populations in the future.
0: Well, certainly, you know, back in the day when they had the Eel Pout Festival, it was about one time a year you even tried, and people didn't think much about it the rest of the year. But you're right, as more and more people figure out how to catch these things, and in the day of social media, you start seeing videos, you start reading articles, and everybody learns how. And then, you, you know, the electronics and everything else you have that uh, and good baits that continue to get more and more sophisticated. You could uh, you could fish them out real quick if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, they're very, uh, and I'm sure as, as, you know, your last segment with, with some anglers that actually fish for them, I'm sure they could tell you there's some phenomenal catch rates that you can achieve if you get in the right spot at the right time, you know. And so um, <clears throat> most of the, the the fishing pressure actually happens when they are kind of in their spawning mode. And and they're just a lot of it's kind of reactionary, and you can get a large number of burbot in one location, you know, trying to trying to spawn and do their thing, and so it's not uncommon to see people catch you know forty some fish in a night, you know, if they if they hit it right. So um, so we, we really just we're trying to bring some some legitimacy, I guess, to this fish, and and trying to you know send the right message to people that you know they're, they are worthy of of, uh, of actually being eaten and and being regulated.
0: Well, you know, people thought, and some maybe still do think northerns are ugly. Well, they think Burbots are ugly too, but uh, both northerns and Burbot, pretty tasty fish, like you noted.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of got their um, their perspectives, I guess, and uh, a lot of it's kind of handed down, you know, from, from years on by, and so um, we really just kind of want people to, to take a chance on them, you know, get around with someone that's actually knows how to, I mean, they're really not that hard to make, you know, you can do, you can fry them, you can boil them, you know, they do call it poor man's lobster for a reason,
0: um, <laughs>
1: Yeah. and one of the easiest ways is just to boil the fish and just dip it in butter, you know, it's a really white flesh, I would equate it almost to um, sort of like an egg white consistency, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, you know, um, but, you know, I've enjoyed them several times, I think they're a really great fish to eat. So
0: what is our process now? We're, we're starting this process. What, what will be happening over the next year or so as decisions are made?
1: Well, I think what we really would like to, is just to hear from uh, the anglers and, and anyone else interested in, in bourbon on what they think a reasonable um, daily possession limit would be. Um, you know, we've had some initial discussions, Kevin, and we've thrown around numbers of like five a day. Um, that'd probably be five daily, five in possession as well. Okay. Um, but really, we're just kind of open to input um, at this point from uh, the people that really cherish these fish and, and what they think would be a reasonable number that, uh, you know, that they feel like they can still take some fish home to eat, but still, you know, we're not exploiting the resource. Well,
0: it was interesting because as I was talking to Jason and Jason, that, that was the number they both brought up was 5. That seemed like <laughs> well, So,
1: that sounds like a good number then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is there a uh, a process for commenting at this point or will there be?
1: I would just suggest that you know people get a hold of their local fisheries office and um and and tell them what their what their desires are and we can start um putting those uh, to our staff in St. Paul and when they start moving forward with actually um, working on on getting this this new regulation into the rules as far as the number the daily limit um, then we'll have a pretty good idea that that we have support from anglers out there Um, and so that would be the next thing you know we've already got the the new reg booklet in process Um, right now it's listing it as as no limit and so likely this would be something that would happen uh, the next year or maybe two years as we because we'd have to get it uh within statute first kevin okay. you know and mm-hmm. um and so there's there's not a there's not like a oh we need your comments now kind of thing we still have time to do it and so um just telling i would just tell anglers to reach out to their local fisheries office and and um kind of let us know what they're thinking
0: Nathan Olson, the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Supervisor, my guest. We're talking eel pout as a game fish. Got a lot more to cover with Nathan next. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley,
1: Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further.
0: This is the Palm Onion Country Outdoors Podcast. I'm Kev Jackson. My guest today, Nate Olson from the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Office, giving us the DNR perspective on eel pout or burbot as a game fish. Most people that I've talked to, anyway, seem to be concerned with getting a limit and getting whatever, you know, those types of protections more than a limited season. But, I, I mean, that could probably happen, too, I would guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, just me personally, I think there's there's such a limited window where these fish are being being caught um it's you know pretty much this here the next month and a half or so and you know as the ice fishing starts to wear to wing down um and so <clears throat> really having us after that kevin i don't think i think there's that many people that are out targeting them or anything you know through open water and so um i'm not sure whether a, a limited season would really do much for us i think uh, at least for this first part i think having a, a daily limit would probably be the best option at this point and and uh, you know, there's always changes that can be made in the future if we see issues happening. You know.
0: Well, I know you know a number of lakes here that that have them, but uh, how uh, how widespread are burbot in Minnesota waters?
1: Uh, well, they're yeah, they like I said, earlier, they're pretty much native to the, all of of northern Minnesota. Most of the river drainages in the in the Midwest. Um, you know, some of the I think there's there's probably fewer uh, than there used to be. You know, I've had. Uh, white earth lake in our area which is in northern becker county um used to see quite a few and they they still hold a uh a bourbon tournament uh but they really aren't seeing as many as they have in the past just anecdotally um and so whether that's from you know fishing or if it's from habitat issues or something like that it's remains to be seen but you know a lot of our larger lakes especially northern minnesota casts of course leech lake where the eel paw festival had been taking place um I mean, a lot of those lake, A lot of those lakes have have burbot, you know, and and sustain pretty good fishing pressure. So there's a good chunk of northern Minnesota that uh, there's always the potential that you're going to find these in the waters where you're fishing. Lake of the Woods, of course, too. So,
0: and I am assuming that over the years of, of you know doing your surveys in various lakes, you've you've stumbled upon them multiple times.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Bad Medicine Lake here, we've actually seen them. Uh, Young of the year, like actually sanding in, in the in the summertime too. So um, that always seems to be kind of a rarity that that you'll see them uh, while sanding, you know. But because uh, usually by that by that time of the summer, they're usually we're trying to find some cooler water, um, you know, just to to help them thermoregulate and stuff. But um, but yeah, during our our standard surveys, we do we do run into some uh, as we're doing our work.
0: What are the characteristics? Are there any specific characteristics a lake needs to to be um, a healthy lake for bourbon?
1: Um, I think right now, what we're, it's, it's really just the cooler water, you know, that we, um, kind of like um, Tulabies uh, or Cisco's, as people can know them as, too. Um, it's, it's all about making sure that there's still that uh, cool water with enough oxygen, Kevin, you know, so there's always this kind of. It's even it's kind of similar to where we have uh, decent trout water, you know. Um, if you can imagine as you're going through the water column, you know, um, somewhere where that thermocline is, is, uh, you're you know the the oxygen starts to de- to deplete and the the temperature you know is starting to go down. And so you want you want that right temperature and that right amount of oxygen for for these things to thrive. Um, and that's what makes you know like Bad Medicine Lake. You know we we do manage it as a trout fishery and it has a really strong eopout population as well, you know, but even Leech Lake or some of these other lakes where they have uh, some deep, decent deep water refuge, uh, we've, we've seen some really good numbers there as well.
0: Is there anything in particular they like to eat?
1: Um, I think they're a little bit, I think they're kind of uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, <laughs> Whatever happens to uh, be around. Yeah, I mean, they, they are, they eat mostly fish, um, but, you know, they can take advantage of crayfish or bugs, uh, other aquatic insects, um, you know, so there's, they're they're kind of like any other fish, you know, a little bit opportunistic in in their feeding efforts, you know, can can be a little omnivorous on on both <laughs> ends of the spectrum, you know, if 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 they if they need to be, you know. But uh, I think when people are fishing for them, most of the time they're just trying to put on as many minnows as they can and and pounding the bottom with a a really <laughs> a really heavy jig or something like that, you know. So there's really not uh, there's not a whole lot of, of finesse involved in trying to get an eel pout to, <laughs> to trying to catch an eel pout.
0: Sounds like me. Whatever's in the fridge.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. People can have some pretty good luck if you know if you're if you're a really aggressive fisherman. Then burbot or eel fishing can be for you.
0: Well, as long as we have you on the line, how's everything been going in the Detroit Lakes area as far as ice fishing goes this year? We've had it's not been the greatest year in most places.
1: No, it has been it's been really tough here, Kevin. Um, there's only been a few locations where people can actually get out and do some fishing and and where they can you know it's it's really kind of uh it's it's really concentrated the anglers efforts right because you have you have maybe one or two three people that are that are plowing roads out to their shacks and that kind of brings the crowds um and so we have seen we have seen you know some decent pressure in spots but it's always in it's just in one location you know otherwise you know unless you got a snowmobile or, or a tracked vehicle or something it's just been really tough and then the you know besides the ice conditions Um, just the weather, you know, every time it seems like it's a weekend, it's either blowing 30 miles an hour in a blizzard or, or it's, you know, 20 below or something like that. So me personally, I've not, I've fished once and that was really to help with a a kid's fishing event. (laughs) That's been it, you know? So, um, I, I just haven't had a chance to really get out because it's just been so, so tough this year.
0: Yeah, and I, I basically heard that everywhere. You know, we got enough early ice in Red Lake. They got a few good weeks. Lake the Woods been pretty good. Winnie's been pretty good. Outside of that, uh, especially you know you go a little bit further south, they got ice later, and then the snow came quicker, and it just is bleh.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 been so tough this year. Um, you know, we will be. You know, so that brings on to the next concern we have is just you know whether we're going to see any winter kill in some of our lakes Um, you know because some of them this is the kind of conditions where where it could happen this year so we'll be evaluating that as as the season goes on uh, especially if we continue to have you know like these six inches or so snowfalls every every other week
0: and then uh, we wait for spring and and uh, and then maybe hope for a good soft water season anyway
1: yeah you know i think that's almost at that stage here where i'm about ready to Put away the hard water gear and and just gear up for <laughs> for some open water fishing, unless unless maybe the the late ice season shapes up and you know and conditions improve you know maybe for another week or two before before the ice comes off. But we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm ready for soft water. I'm, of course, I'm always ready for soft water. I like it about a hundred times more than I like <laughs> ice fishing in general, even on a good year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, luckily, kind of in that. In the big lake area there, there's some decent resorts, you know, so people can always uh, contact a resort to help get them a spot plow and do some fishing, you know. And sure. So down here, we don't have as many of those those opportunities, and so you're kind of left to your own devices, which makes it a little more difficult for people to get out.
0: Anything else, Nathan, before we wrap it up today?
1: No, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm ready to, to be done snow blowing. I had to blow my my driveway twice yesterday and i'll be doing it again today <laughs> so, yeah. so i'm over it i'm totally <laughs> over it
0: <laughs> he's nathan olson he is the main man in the detroit lakes area fisheries office talking bourbon and a few other topics with us as well hey thanks for the update on the uh, soon to be we hope uh, eel pout season and uh, thanks for uh, your insight today no problem You've been listening to the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Northwest Technical College and Bemidji State University. You can catch the radio show Saturdays on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 in Bemidji, B93.3 in Brainerd, and KICK FM in Alexandria. And, of course, multiple times a week, we'll have great stuff for you right here on the podcast. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast has also been sponsored by Visit Bemidji.